Hey everyone, just a quick warning before today's episode. During the talk, you will hear references of sexual abuse and eating disorders. So please listen with care and head to the show notes for support if needed. Thanks. This is Healing Through Love. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Healing Through Love. My name is Olivia Luna, and I'm just a 32-year-old single woman who has never been in love before. And this podcast is my journey to find a healthy, healing, long-term monogamous relationship. Um, Along my journey, I have met some incredible amazing, powerful people. And today I have the amazing, incredible, powerful Chelsea Bonoski with me. Chelsea is a dancer, visual artist, and MSW candidate at Fordham University. Her area of focus is women's uh, reproductive health, rights, and justice, and actively advocates with Advocates for Youth and NYC for Abortion Rights. Uh, She is currently interning at the United Nations with the United Nations Association New York, um, sits on the board of the Fordham Institute for Women and Girls, and was previously a sexual trauma counselor intern with the Black Women's Blueprint. Um, Chelsea is trained in conflict transformation through movement and a believer in the power of art to heal, transform, and restore bodily autonomy post-trauma. I mean... incredible is not even just the word to describe Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea, how are you today? Oh, well, thank you. That was (laughs) lovely. Um, I'm good. You know, I'm on my second cup of coffee, so can't complain. So we're we're going, we're in it. I love it. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. I definitely, I mean, for, so I've, I've, I've talked to you, I've talked about you before in um in previous episodes. Um just like your support, your care. Chelsea's been a, a longtime friend of mine. We kind of worked together in the trench- trenches of like a very difficult job and like just sort of bonded um just through that environment. Um but also I just feel like we just had a lot in common and just the way that we think, the way that we approach life, um the way that we approach, you know, healing and advocacy and justice and all of these things that are just like our important pillars for me. Um, So I really just was very excited to like have you on the podcast, talk with you, hear your experience, um, and just share your amazingness with my listeners. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Very sweet. (laughs) So let's dive into it. Um, First question, you know, how were you taught to love growing up and how were you loved by your caregivers? Yeah just diving right in. <laughs> um, they, they're such like um, base questions that I feel like no one really talks about. So um, glad to be talking about them today. Um, how was I taught to love growing up? That question, because I feel like sometimes love is, you know, like what is love to people, right? Is love intimacy, is love connection, is love relationships? Like what is love? Um, And I grew up in a very, very loving household. I have two brothers that I would say are my best friends. Um, You know, two parents who are always super supportive of my journeys. Um, And like, around love, very difficult, confusing teachings. Um, I was sexually molested when I was nine years old, went on for about a year, maybe like a year and a half. Um, 
And that introduction to love at the moment, I didn't understand how confusing it made my association with love, relations, intimacies, even friendships. Like I didn't understand exactly what that did until at 36, I think I'm still, you know, uncovering the layers of what that looks like. But my immediate introduction to teaching about what love is, was very confusing. With that being said, I didn't question the teachings about love after that point, solely because of my parents, my friends, like my brothers, the people that I grew up with made no hesitation in teaching me, no, this is what love is. Like love is reciprocal. Love is, you know, not having to ask and you can ask at the same time, you know, like love is showing up, being there 120%, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe not completely understanding your journey or your choices, but supporting them. And when not supporting, being like, hey, <laughs> I don't get this. Take a look at yourself. Like what is happening, you know? Um, but always from a place of pure, genuine. My dad says his children are what his heart looks like beating outside of his body. And like that yeah uh, already crying um <laughs> answered your question I think it did this is why I love you Chelsea because like oh. we just we like you're not afraid to go there and like yeah it's just oh man I relate to your story so much um just because yeah that aspect of not knowing and not understanding what love is. And then you have these experiences, some of them horrifically traumatic, and it just completely distorts, you know, everything that you, you thought you knew or what you even didn't know yet. But now it has impacted, you know, what you think some love is and what um, intimacy is, all of those things. And it really just makes me, um, you know, want to do more now as an adult to really shift our societal practices of like how we teach love, how we teach connection, consent, you know, how we um, teach people to protect themselves or like have those conversations or communications so they can understand like what it is that they're experiencing. Um, because it, it is, I, I just feel like it is such a big disservice to allow, you know, to go into the world and, and just like having to just figure it out, you know, as you, as you kind of go with, with people who also are sort of figuring it out when we have the answers now, like we, we, we have the information, especially in today's age. And yet we're just doing this big disservice. So I, I want you to talk a little bit about that too, because you're, you're the professional here. Like what, what sort of things society is failing at in terms of being able to teach a, a child or, you know, somebody, how like how to love growing up yeah I mean first of all like not a professional or expert oh sure sure <laughs> compared to me I mean compared to me like 
we are all experts in our own like experiences, right? Which is why I feel like podcasts like this are incredible too, because I think one of the largest disservices is that we don't speak about our experiences, right? Yes. Like they're tabled as a you problem, a you issue, like, and you need to figure it out. Well, we don't come with manuals. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't, as a child, when I was born, I didn't come with a manual for my parents to say that, like, if this happens to your child, turn to page four and this is how you do X, Y, Z, you know, like one of those, like choose your own ending books type of thing. Um, you know, so I think what you said really hit the nail on the head. Like we're being raised, we're trying to figure out how to go through life and learn certain things. And we're being raised by people who are also still going through life, trying to figure out certain things. And when you're younger, you assume that your parents have the answers to everything and they don't. And it's by no fault of their own, right? That like, maybe you didn't learn what love was growing up, or you didn't learn, you know, even like proper sex ed growing up, you know what I mean? It's nobody's fault. But to get to a point in your life where you can reflect on maybe the shortcomings, either of familiar units or society, the society that you grew up in, to reflect on it and recognize that like, there are changes that I can make for my future for possibly my children's future, for the family that I want to have, if I'm ever blessed to have one, right? That is my job. I don't have to change the entire system because that's daunting and you're going to fail before you even start. I can change my system, right? Like even if it is having the hard conversations with friends and family, having the hard conversations with your partner, like they won't be hard if you begin to have them, they'll become normal. They'll become like what's welcome. So I feel like that might be the biggest disservice, right? And so if you have the availability in your person to reflect and recognize these are the areas that I want to alter, then that's your job to do so. Yes. And get comfortable within that uncomfortableness of change and transition. Like it's not easy. It's going to take time. Um, one of the most difficult conversations I ever had was with my father, who, um, for those who don't know, he he wasn't really in my life for the first 18 years or so, um, you know, other than like phone calls here and there or birthday cards or something. And when I got into, you know, my 20s, um, we started to kind of reconnect and I really wanted to say, okay, I want to start trying to have a relationship with this person, um, get to know him and have him know me. Let me let's let's have a let's have that conversation right there. there we need to talk about the elephant in the room. Where the fuck were you for 18 years? Right. And I realized in conversing with him as, as um, difficult and like angry and frustrated, all these emotions that I had going into it as he shared about the reality of his life at that time. Um, you know, my mother got they got pregnant with me very young in their life. They didn't know what what to do or what to sort of like how how to have a child and how to raise a child. Um, he was in the military at the time, so serving overseas and like experiencing all of that, um, dealing with drugs, alcohol abuse, and his life at that point was not, um, he was not in a position to be able to like raise another person. And as I heard the story, I, I started to realize, shit, if he had stayed in my life, I might not be here right now. 
Mm. you know, because of who he was at that time. And I think he kind of realized it too, as, as we, as the conversation sort of went on and, you know, just from that one discussion, years and years and years of pain and heartache that I had been feeling, um, not so much like disappeared, but like it all made sense. And it brought me this new piece of just having that like clarity and understanding. So I definitely, I resonate with that wholeheartedly, like have those difficult conversations with your children, with each other, with your partner. It sucks and it, you know, it, it, it's, it might hurt and be painful, but the peace and un, and in the peace and understanding that you gain um, through these discussions will, is just a, a way to really detangle yourself from years and years and years of trauma um, and also breaking, you know, generational trauma, keeping it from happening um, to your next, you know, next generations on forward. Are there things that you um, learn from your father, from your brother, these like caring male figures in your life um, that you want to kind of translate and, um, it, you know, share with your children or patterns that you, you know, hope to shift going forward? Ooh, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. I, I think the, the thing that I've really loved about my relationship with like my brothers in specific are, you know, as you get older, these conversations that we're talking about, can be had on a different level and they're also like you know still figuring out how to be said between siblings um but my brothers have never shied away from the emotive side of things like last year i was diagnosed with endometriosis but before i got that diagnosis they had just found like a basically like a tumor in my pelvis. And we found out about this literally like five days before Christmas. I was home on like Christmas holiday and all this kind of stuff. And when I got the news from my doctor that like, yes, this is what it is. We need to remove it and just biopsy it. Like make sure we know what we're dealing with, like because of where it is and your age and all this kind of stuff, we need to do this like immediately. I got this notification like on my phone while I was in my car with my brother, his wife and my nephew. And we were going to like a a little farmer's market we have in upstate New York. And my brother could just tell that I got some news that was like, you know, and his wife and his son went into the market and he got out of the car and opened the back seat, sat next to me, shut the door and just held me while I cried. And there was no hesitation. And there was no, I'm uncomfortable. Like there's crying, there's whatever, there's this and that. And it was just like, okay, okay. We have the next steps and this is how you're feeling. So I think what I'm recognizing is that what I gravitate towards in that and that what I would love to share in terms of, yes, if I ever am blessed to have a child and that child so chooses to be identified as being gendered male, um, that you don't always need to do the like societal male thing of solution. I feel this. Okay. Let's find a solution. Okay. How about we start with, you feel this. And you can sit there 
And you don't have to give me the answer, the conclusion, the solution, the next step, the da da. We can just sit here for a second. There's an acknowledgement of um, I have all the time in the world that both my brothers and my dad exemplify. I have all the time in the world. There is no rush that I'm just recognizing right now, actually, it's making me a little emotional, is the most like beautiful thing about them. That's a really beautiful thing. <laughs> it's like, and you know what? I also, something about that also speaks to, you know, um, so you're, you're, Chelsea's a dancer, a beautiful, amazing dancer, um, currently in Sleep No More. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a show where there's, there is no talking, right? There's no speaking, but there is storytelling still through your movement, through your actions. And there's something about that too, of that, that behavior of just like, yeah, yeah, it's not about like, coming up with a solution but literally just like holding space for someone physically for even a moment there's so many different ways that we can communicate love and and support and healing to one another that doesn't necessarily be need to be verbal right it yes have the difficult conversations but maybe it's just the difficult action of stillness and presence and here's my heart pour whatever you need into it you know um, so I think that that's a beautiful quality to like, you know, especially, especially for, um, you know, those who identify as male, those who are struggling with, you know, masculinity and how we as a society kind of portray it, um, or, you know, say that how it should be, um, right. being just still and present and yeah, just feeling exactly what you're feeling in the moment is, is more than more than transformative on so many levels. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about your early dating experiences. Um, going into into dating, how was that? Um, wh- what? Who were you in your relationships? Oh, yeah. Anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I look back at it now, and you're like, ooh. Oh, nothing against the people that I chose to date. Do you know what I mean? But when I look back at it, even from like my first boyfriend, not even like, I think my first kiss was like in the sixth grade, Um, but like my first boyfriend, maybe in like eighth grade or whatever, there's a pattern that I fell into, which was I'm so honored that someone likes me. I can't believe that someone likes me. Oh my God, this person is choosing me. So I must say yes. So I must be attracted to them. So I, all of the shoulds, right? That totally transcended years of relation, of dating. Literally from like, yeah, this seventh, eighth grade up until probably like third year of school of, of undergrad, like just this very, it wasn't even a feeling of like, Oh my God, I'm so honored that they like me. It was almost like a shock. It was almost like a, Oh my God, I can't believe that someone likes me. And I didn't have an understanding or an acknowledgement that I could choose to not like them back, or I could choose to not want to date them. There was just a, 
a man likes you. So you as a girl should be with that man. And like that followed me for so many years. Like, yeah, you know, someone taking you out on a date and like kissing you and you're like, I'm not attracted to you at all, but how do I say no? And not in a like, how do I say no? Like sexually advancing, I feel uncomfortable here, but just like, no, I (laughs) I don't want to be with you. Like, because there's that ingrained thing that I feel like when you come out of the womb and you're a, a girl, right? That's just this like, you are here to please someone else. And if you say no, it's a, it's a you problem. You have a problem with something that you need to work on. Why didn't you like that person? Why didn't you want to date that person? Why did you, you know, get upset when your boyfriend was like, obviously flirting with like three other girls? Like, why? It, my action is not the problem. Your action is the problem. Like, But it's this weird thing that you're just kind of like generationally programmed into your head, I feel like, as a as a woman. Um, Yeah, that just followed me for so many years, so many years. Yes, same. The the self auditing that we kind of do of just like, okay, what am I what do I need to do? Who do who else do I need to be? What more do I need to give to make this work? Um, You know, am I giving too much? Right. I gave too much and now I'm that girl. What girl? What girl? You're that girl that is too much. Who made that up? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're too much, quote unquote, for that person because that's not your person. Exactly. Maybe that person is not enough. How about that? Do you ever think about that? Hello. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then so wh- when and where did the shift come? Hmm. When and where did the shift come? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> um, in like 20, yeah, like 2015, I recognized that I had spent half my life with an eating disorder. And I quite literally woke up in a hospital in Chicago when I was working on a dance project, a project that I should have been 120% present and elated in and like, oh my gosh, look at this amazing opportunity. And something shifted in that moment where something in my brain literally said to my body, this is not you. This is not the life you chose. Like, why are you living like this? And talk about uncomfortable conversations, had a conversation with my parents and was like, when I finish this project, I'm coming home. And we're getting into programs. And it was not an immediate shift. It was definitely gradual. And one that like you recognize is happening much later on. But when I was coming back to the city, there was a recognition that like, I get to choose how I operate in my life. And I get to choose 
the people that get to operate in my life. I get to choose the people that I give love to. And, and if I'm not getting the love back that I know that I crave, I get to choose no. Um, and I had fallen out of touch with my now partner. Um, and I reached out to him, not in a very adult way. I just started stalking him on Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but then he reached out to me and was like, Hey, we could pretend that you're not just like constantly liking all of my stuff on Instagram, or we could like meet up for, you know? Um, and I remember like in my head being like, I miss this human in my life. There was like a friendship that I had with this person and there was something about that friendship that we had that made me be like, I want to choose to put that in my life. And I wasn't even thinking like relationship wise. I was literally just quite thinking I'm coming back to the city, almost like fresh start, new me, you know, obviously it's much more convoluted than that, but um, it was like my, my first step towards choosing the love that I wanted in my life rather than assuming that if love showed up into my life, I had to say yes, no matter what it looked like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that you shared that like, I, I think was just so beautiful is that moment when you knew like, okay, I need to shift this and I need help, right? Like mom and dad, I'm coming home. I'm doing a program. Like I'm going to do do the things and get the support around me to really like see the change and shift um, that I want to see in my life. And I think I'm learning that that is the best form of like self-love, self-care is asking for help. Um, you know, it's, it's part of the reason why like I, you know, uh-huh. Well, I was just going to say, and it's not as scary as I feel like we think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not, it's not. And it, it, it makes a world of a difference when you can just do it and you know get that support get 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 your people involved and like really you know just just head towards that life that you know like i i think everybody has that like inner voice inside that's saying like you deserve better you can have great things but we just push it down and ignore it and especially especially women in this in in our society you know we we're told to just ignore that voice and just like center these the stories and experiences of other people and like make this big sacrifice by like, you know, pushing our needs to the side. But the second we step into, you know, who we are and what we want and what we need in this moment and voicing it, that's when that shift occurs. That's when we meet the love of our life and we reconnect and the timing is perfect and we're healthier and and all of those things. Um, speaking of which, um, you are now in a, an amazing, loving um, relationship today. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys met, how things are going, how things have been, a little bit of that? Yeah, it's um, it's a funny story. <laughs> um, so I will nutshell it as much as I can. Um, he does not remember this first part of the story, and I vividly remember it because I remember exactly what I was wearing. Um, but <laughs> I, I had come to the city when I was like a senior in high school, and I was living in the Beacon Hotel on the Upper West Side and taking like a dance summer intensive. And I went out to a club one night. Sorry, mom. Um, and 
he was friends with a friend of mine and I met him out at this club. Now, I just, I vividly remember that for some reason. Nothing happened, but I just vividly remember meeting him there. Fast forward a few years later, he is the same girl who took me out to the club that night. I'm now living in New York. I'm dating someone. She invites me and my partner at the time to her birthday party. And he was there. Toph, my partner was there. And I was like, oh my gosh, we know each other. We've met, whatever, da, da, da. And we hit it off as friends. So anytime then I was having a birthday party or my boyfriend at the time was having like a holiday party or whatever, this and that, he was always just kind of invited. He kind of like was in the fold, maybe on the outside of the fold, but he was involved and he was always around. Um, I break up with this person that I was dating and texted Tope because my friend was having a birthday party. And I was like, hey, will I see you at so-and-so's birthday tonight? He was like, oh yeah, I'll be there. Great. Thought nothing of it, right? Like, um, and he shows up, we have fun time, we're leaving. You know, we've all had some drinks and he says something to the effect of like, hey, we should hang out sometime. And I was like, you don't want to hang out right now? <laughs> oh, get him. Like, I mean, I do, but I was trying to be polite. <laughs> and I ended up going home with him. The next morning, he proceeded to be like, look, like I've liked you. I've liked you for years. Like, I just never wanted to say anything or do anything. And like, I want to date you. Like, I want to like take you out and date you. And I had like recently broken up with this guy and I was rude. And I said, you were a rebound. Like this is never happening again and walked out of his apartment. And he sent like emails to me and like my friend that originally connected us and was like, I want to date her. Like, I don't understand, you know, like maybe she thinks there's something weird between you and me. I don't know, whatever. And I was just like, no. Like, yes, I met you through this other girl that we're friends with. And like, you guys used to be friends. And like, I just, I don't want to like get in, involved in anything. And like, no, I just broke up with like. So then we didn't talk for like two or three years. Didn't talk. He deleted my number, like all of it. And as I mentioned earlier, I left the city to deal with my eating disorder. And when I was coming back, he comes back into my mind know really why except that I just like missed him as a friend and I was aware that like I did not handle that situation well stalk him on Instagram (sighs) sends me that message my response to that original message was well I'm gonna be surfing in for a rockaway today so if you like find yourself on the beach let me know but like yes let's get coffee three hours later he shows up on the beach full-on walks onto the beach and I'm sitting there with my friend surfing and I'm like oh my god this man showed up. I haven't spoken to this man in like two, three years. Like what the, spent the and whole afternoon. Just, yeah. hold on, just so everybody knows, like yeah. getting to Rockaway Beach, like the surfer <laughs> zone, it's not like a quick little bus ride or whatever. Like it's a, oh. it's a bit of a trek for anybody anywhere, unless you live out there. So that's effort. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. 
we spent the whole afternoon like surfing. I'm not even making this up. We like borrowed my friend's bikes. My friend was so cute. She was like, go, oh my God, just do whatever you want. Like take my bike, whatever. We biked to like a taco shack and had tacos and margaritas. It started to rain and we like biked back along the ocean, like in the rain, dropped our bikes off, got on the train together, got off the train together and then have been together like since that night. And when he proposed, I remember asking him, like, when you showed up on the beach, like, did you know that, like, this moment, like, this engagement moment was going to happen? And he said, yes. Oh. Wow. I don't think I've heard that story before, Chelsea. No? That's <laughs> incredible. I, I just thought, like, oh, they're perfect for each other. They've always just been perfect for each other, and it just made sense. But, like... I I think that that's there's like so like oh man it just makes me want to remind myself like again there are so many different ways and places and people that you can find love in and sometimes it might be that the timing isn't right or you're in a different place or whatever in your life and like there's a break right or there's like some sort of like the the bridge that you thought was burned might actually still have some legs under it, right? And it's not to say that, like, go call your ex or anything like that. Don't I don't recommend, you know, necessarily some, doing some that. Yeah, yes. some some you should not contact. But yeah, I think I think it was the fact that you said, you know, this this friendship meant a lot to me, and what you offered to my life was really valuable. And I'm I'm in a place now that I can appreciate it and like be open to it and. I'm I'm new new Chelsea not new Chelsea but true Chelsea. I'm true Chelsea and I'm like coming forward as myself and you really just spoke I think I think speaking from that place and that standpoint and that understanding is maybe what um I mean I'm sure Toph just loved you regardless either way from the beginning but like even just I don't know energetically or universally however you want to think about it the alignment there just made sense right but you had to do that you work first that shift within yourself um which I think is like incredible and what what a story what a date also like oh surfing was... rain tacos oh make the movie make the movie already <laughs> I love that. And uh so now you're uh you're together. He's proposed. Did you, had you guys like talked about marriage or like when did you realize like okay, marriage commitment like this could be a thing for me? Yeah, it's it's so that I find so interesting because I think after all of my dating history and again, when you're like going through some of these things like you don't have like the outside awareness to be like, oh, this is what's happening or this is how I've gotten here. Or, this is like the pattern I'm in or whatever. Um, but by the time I did reconnect with him and we had started dating and then we moved in together, whatever, I had almost resigned to the fact that I don't want to be married. I don't need to be married. I don't need to like check that thing off my list. Like, I don't think it's going to make me feel any more like I've succeeded as a human on this planet just because I'm married, you know, like, so I had never, I had kind of like, mm, we're good. It wasn't until, so he's Sicilian. We booked a trip to Catania where his family's from for like a vacation. And 
I had a bunch of friends doing that. Like he's going to propose, he's going to propose, he's going to, oh my God, he's taking you to the land of his people. Like if you don't come back with a ring, da, da. and that <laughs> went into my brain, like I'm going to get engaged. And it was like, now I needed to have it. Now it was like, so many people were saying it that I needed to have it. And we, it was like second night or something there. Maybe it was even the first night. I don't remember. And I asked him for like Advil and he was like, oh yeah, it's in my bag. Go ahead and grab it. So of course I was like, I'm going to go grab it. And like leafed through his bag, like tried to look for a ring box, everything. I come out into the kitchen because he was making dinner and he could tell that I was like upset. And he also knew. And he was like, oh, did you find the Advil? And I was like, no. He was like, oh, let me show you. And go takes me to his bag and goes through the whole bag with me. And it's like, here's the Advil. Like he knew, he knew that's what I was like looking for. But after this had happened the next day, it was like, I almost got my brain back. And my brain said to myself, like, you had taken this off your checklist. Like just because everyone else is saying this, why did you make it a thing? And I was like, oh, that's right. You just need a commitment. You need a commitment. You need a verbal commitment from someone. That is why originally you wanted to get married when you were younger. That is why someone saying to you, I choose you. I choose you to never leave. To like when we get in that blowout fight and someone slams the door or walks outside, I'm coming back in. Like, and not a fear of abandonment, but just a fear of like that woman thing. I failed at something or I made a mistake and this person is leaving me. There was just this, like, I just need to know that I can be my true self and we can fight and we can argue and whatever. And you're just going to be there because you've also chosen me. So I had like, let it go. And I was like, okay, I just need a commitment. If we come home from this and I don't have a verbal commitment, then I just need to ask for that. And we were out to dinner and he kept talking about like, wouldn't it be so cool if we brought our families here together and did like Christmas and the seven fishes. And it just flew out of my mouth. And I was like, yeah, well, my parents are going to fly halfway across the country or the world, like to celebrate Christmas with your parents, family, if like, I'm not engaged or something. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Like, just take your time, but let me know because then I'll do it. Like I'll be most to you. Now I thought I said it much more uh, gently. <laughs> But, but I you're not. Scorpio. I, we we don't do that. <laughs> a bit more like the way I just recalled it. And we're leaving the restaurant and we're walking back through this like plaza with this giant elephant statue that his mom had told me to look out for. I was like, okay. I was like, oh, there's the elephant statue. And he asked me for something for my purse. And I like look in my purse and I'm like, Ugh. and I turn around and he's on one knee. And he proposed in front of the church that his great-grandparents got married in before they emigrated to the United States. And I had no idea that that's where we were staying. And it's so cliche, but in that moment, I don't think I've been happier to hear someone say, and it's not like, you're engaged and then you're married. And <laughs> yeah, it was like, someone said to me, I see exactly who you are. I've basically been through every iteration of who you are with you in your life, with the extent of like a little break 
I'm like, I'm choosing to sit with that authentic person for life. He likes to say that we are two sharks, <laughs> fierce as fuck, that can swim independently, but choose to be with each other. Totally agree. Holy shit. That's a perfect analogy. <laughs> perfect analogy. I love that. And I love that story. And yeah, I love that moment. Um, I'm curious just to kind of go back for a second. Do you think your resignation to like, you know, not being married was that, did that potentially stem from that um, like need for being chosen or like what, where, yeah, I guess I'm curious as to like, where did that originate from? Yeah. Like just saying, like, especially if like we have the societal pressure and I'm sure maybe at some point, like, you know, every, every, every person sort of thinks about like, you know, what would it be to be married? But like, if you, when you resign to say, okay, if it never happens, it never happens. Cause I feel like I'm in that place and I'm, I'm yeah. trying to figure out like where, well, I know where that comes from, but I'm curious for you, like where that is. I mean, I think it was a, f a few things. I think one was the fact that I had tried so many versions of relationships and none of them had worked out and they had all requested of me that I make them number one. And at the time I was like, my dance, my art is number one, like relationships are number two. But in hindsight, like I, I am number one. Like why would I put your needs, desires once ahead of mine? So I felt like I hadn't found a relationship that had allowed me to be completely myself explore my artistic career with support and not why are you like going on tour again Ugh, why are you leaving again Ugh, you're going to be gone for so long like you're not we're not going to talk like I hadn't found someone who had like supported my life in its entirety the way that I wanted it that I had just assumed it doesn't exist so if it doesn't exist I'm not going to push it I don't need it then. Like I don't need it then. And there was a period where I was in a polyamorous relationship and my dad said to me, Chelsea, I don't care if you marry a man. I don't care if you marry a woman. I don't care if you don't get married at all. I just want you happy. And so there was also this like burden lifted of like, you're supposed to do this in your life. And going against the grain is difficult, but there was like a, I release you from that, that I think also helped me say, okay, if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, that doesn't make me any less lovable. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. It takes that time to unlearn and kind of, I don't know, teach us things that, like you said, we didn't think existed. We didn't think were possible for us. Um, even just unlearning the expectations that we thought we, we always were supposed to have. Like, I think really taking that time for yourself, bef like before you get into a relationship and even while you're in it, you know, constantly questioning, like, is this something that I truly want in my heart? 
which can change by the way also right like we, we might we might be resigned to not being married one second but then the next day we might say no actually I, I do want to be married or I met a person that makes this real for me right so is this something that I really feel and want in my heart or is this an outward or external pressure expectation that I'm just like following the the pattern or the following the instruction for right um and I love that like so much of the work that you do today is really challenging a lot of societal um, norms and, you know, expectations, especially on women, especially around reproductive justice, um, reproductive rights. Can you talk a little bit, a little, excuse me, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what that journey has been for you and how that has impacted love, relationships, um, being a a feminist in uh, and dating from that standpoint, you know, in this in this country, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I I think my involvement now in like the realm of sexual and reproductive health rights and justice, like, so, there was a very long time where I was like, why am I so fiery about this? Like, I know that I'm like a woman, so like, okay, but like, why am I like? Ugh! Um, and then I had this like moment with my therapist where I was like, oh, and I had to like email her and be like, I figured it out. <laughs> and it was like literally this aha moment of like, oh, well, you weren't given a choice sexually when you were younger. You never felt like you had one. So of course now 30 some years later, you fight you are fighting and want to fight for every young girl to have choice and I had like never put that together and my therapist I love my therapist yeah and she was like I'm so proud of you and I was just like it just took 30 years but we found it um we got there but we got there and you know what I think dating as like a feminist as you say I actually love that you should we should like put that on a shirt or like put that on a dating profile just feminist <laughs> um, dating as a feminist how to date a feminist um you know I I think sometimes it comes with this like negative connotation of like being combative or angry or um argumentative um and kind of circling back to the conversation we started with like the conversations don't have to be angry and argumentative and frustrating if you just have them more often than we have been, right? Um, and in my opinion, if you're dating and you have very strong opinions about, in my case, you know, like condoms for everyone, abortions for all, and you have a problem with that, then you can like quietly exit out of my life, like not needed. Just like, that's a hard line. Thank you so much. And, uh, so Tof and I started dating again, like officially in like 2015 and in 2016, I went to the women's March in DC. Um, and he was very supportive. You know, I did the whole March, got home that evening. I was staying with my brother and I get a text from Tof and it's a picture of a license plate that says district of Columbia. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, open the door. And he had worked the entire day, then got on a bus and came down to DC to be with me. And he was like, I couldn't come for the march, but like, I'm here now. And mm. I was like, that's a feminist. 
that's a feminist. Like you don't have to be a female to be a feminist. You just have to fucking respect people and their choices. Like, totally. you know, it's not, it's, <laughs> I, I love that. And I, I think that I, that's so much of what I was sort of grappling with in, in my dating life is like, I know I have these ideals and I know I have these things that are important to me and me expressing them is not me trying to berate or belittle or, you know, I don't know, subjugate men to the pain that I, I've, they put me through, but it's me just stepping into my true authentic self, right? Like I, I'm me saying and fighting for these things is me actually advocating for myself at the end of the day. Um, because I am a woman, I'm a woman of color. I, you know, would like to, you know, give birth one day at my, through my, through my own, you know, consent. And I want, like you said, all the other, all the other people who have that ability to have that choice for themselves. Right. And I just feel like so much of my experience was to just like really downplay a lot of that. Or if I was vocal about my, my beliefs and my stances in dating or on, you know, on a date in relationships, um, fearing that it was like too much or I'm going to be seen as this, you know, angry person or whatever. And now I just, I fully, I, it's, it's me really just fully accepting who I am and like owning every single part of me, not being ashamed of the fact that I have a period and I get, you know, mood swings and I get these things in my, my body and I need them help and support for all of these things. And I need, I need to, create a society in a space that allows me to get that support and allows other people to get that support easily effectively without all the red tape or whatever the the hurdles that we currently have in place um i think that that's yeah i i wanted you to just, just kind of speak on that and share that because there's so much that i'm kind of wrestling with right now in terms of um sticking true to those values and I and I did an episode on like core values and understanding what those are when you go into dating and into relationships um so that way you just you're just again staying true to who you are you're not like downplaying anything or you know covering up you know parts of yourself in order to satisfy or center this other person and their needs you're really just stepping into your true self and I think that Anybody who supports that and advocates that for, uh, you know, women and girls, like you're a feminist, right? Like if you are for people just being true to who they are and getting what they need to just be themselves, you're a feminist, you're an advocate, you're an ally. Yeah. yeah and I, what, what I really heard when you were just speaking, which I'm like, oh, we don't have to apologize for our core beliefs, especially when we're dating someone, right? Like, we forget that like, this is an interview, right? Like, uh, you, like as much as I, as a woman am being like, I hope he likes me. I might also not like you. You might also have some opinions that I'm not interested in. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't have to go out on a date and then be like, that's it. Or I'm going to mold myself or I'm going to apologize for my core beliefs and I'm not going to mention them or I'm going to, whatever. Like, I'm also interviewing you, sir right? Like I'm not here just for you. You are also here for me to choose or not. Like, yeah, totally. For sure. Um, 
Last kind of question, just to kind of touch a little bit more. I love what you say in uh, when I shared your bio, you know, the power of art to heal, transform, and restore bodily autonomy post-trauma. Can you talk a little bit about how art helps you heal? How do you heal through art? Uh, <laughs> how do people not heal through art, I think, is the question. Right? Uh, <laughs> say it again. Art has, so much, art has so much power in spaces where people assume it shouldn't be, mm. right? Like people assume that art isn't an art studio or an art class or a dance class or like a concert or whatever. Like I am currently working at the UN. Every event that I've been to at the UN has either begun with an art practice, had an art performance, or all of the panelists have been artists. Like the power that art holds it is everywhere. Um, I, in my personal practice, I think what a better way to give women their bodily autonomy back, especially if they've been traumatized in their, in this recycled frame, uh, than to use their own bodies, right? Like we have trauma stored all over our body in organs, in our skin, you know, in our joints and our bones and our muscles that we have to move through it. Like when you go out to a club at night, right? Maybe pre-pandemic uh, and you spend the whole night like sweating and dancing with your friends and like screaming, whatever. And you come home and you're exhausted, but you feel elated. Like you've just processed something in your body. Like, even if it isn't trauma, it's joy. Like that feels so good. You know, like I paint and there was a time where I live in a small, you know, Brooklyn apartment, but I put a canvas in my, in my shower, bless Tove. He came home and he was like, you need to clean this up. It looks like you killed someone in here. Um, and I had like gotten so mad at how ravenous my period was that I took tampons and like dipped them in paint and just started like throwing them all over the canvas. Wow. And I don't know if it healed anything, but you know, it's the same way, like, it's the same way during the pandemic, you know, art, the art world, quote unquote, stopped. But like, how did everyone make it through? Did you watch movies? Sorry. Did you listen to music? Maybe dance around your apartment? Art, art. Did you read a book? Art. Coloring books. Like, do you know what I mean? It, It's everywhere. And we don't recognize how powerful it is to heal. And you, we don't even recognize when we're using it or doing it. Like it's accessible to everyone. I don't know. <laughs> I could go on and on about it forever. Uh, we, we, I want to do a whole nother episode about like how art has healed me. Yes, absolutely. Like you, and you don't need to be, like you said, you don't need to be an artist like per se to engage in art. It is literally the like little everyday enjoyments, pleasantries that we have is something artistic that I'm sure someone has gifted into the world. So find your own gift, right? Like what is it that is going to really just provide that space for, like you said, you can process an emotion in some physical way or in some new creative way that um, just really gives you like a fresh perspective. That's what I feel like art does for me. It's like when I'm able to just kind of <laughs> – 
step out of my body in a way, but like I'm in my body, like just step out for a second and get like a clearer picture on what it is that I'm feeling or if I'm going through a situation or something like through music, through dance, through journaling, you know, writing a poetry or something. Um, I'll never forget, like I wrote I wrote a guy like a he was a rapper or something or he he did um, lyrics and stuff. And I wrote like uh, during the breakup, like some kind of clapback rap and like <laughs> never done that before. Not a rapper lyricist by any means, but it just felt so fucking cathartic yeah. to just like put it out in this way because I felt like so much of my loving him was tied through his music and something. And so this was me like sort of claiming it for myself and saying like, you know, it's, it's not just you, like this is, th this spoke to me, the music or the art itself is what spoke to me. And I can still enjoy this. I can still like have this even after the breakup. Um, so engage in your art people and yeah. go and support Chelsea and her incredible paintings. Can you share a little bit about where people can find you, how they can keep up with you? Sure. Um, you know, I'm on the Instagram um cm banoski um and from there you can find i have a uh instagram page for my art as well um yeah that's really the only like social media that i use i do have a website as well you know i try try to stay connected to those younger generations um <laughs> and also acknowledge that like your life doesn't begin and end inside of a little yep Phone. These little Bye. computers we keep in our pants all day. Yes. Um, <laughs> Computer, you keep in your pants. <laughs> I know, right? Um, this has been incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Anything else you want to share or any other questions or things like that you have? No, I mean, this was truly incredible. Like, I feel like everyone should just come on and talk to you about love and life and art and all the things. So thank you for having me. Thank you. And yes, absolutely. The whole reason why I kind of started this was to share my experience first. But then as I got into it, I was like, no, it's important for everybody to do this because it just, it feels so good to just like really just, I don't know, pour yourself out there and like not, not judge it, not like, you know, be scared of it, but really just having those like difficult conversations with first yourself and then with each other and seeing, learning about ourselves and healing, you know, through these conversations. So thank you. Thank you, Chelsea, for being on today. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining me today on another episode of Healing Through Love. As always, if you have any comments, questions about today's episode, you can reach out on social media at solidarity underscore media or head to solidaritymediaproductions.com to learn more. If you are loving this podcast, please consider giving a five-star review. It really helps in extending the reach. Please share, please post, tag us. We love the love. So thank you so much for all of your continued support. If you're listening on Spotify, we have some polls and questions below each episode that you can submit answers to. Thank you again for joining me, and I look forward to updating you all on my journey. Talk soon. Bye. <laughs>